Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, another outtake episode. John Newman and, and Corey Donovan Yamwax. John's trying to talk Corey into being at the National for the whole time. And John has his uh, countdown clock for how many days away the National is. But it's obviously going to be a, a great event and a big event in Atlantic City. And the, the problems of being in or getting to Atlantic City, I just got a little creative there and, and uh, talked about some alternatives that I've been stewing around. I'm not going to be the organizer, but I don't mind throwing out an idea and if somebody enterprising you could dock a boat offshore in Atlantic City and come in for the card show and then spend the night out on the big boat or whatever there's any number of crazy things could happen but when you get a bunch of collectors together I know some people are doing Airbnb renting houses and it's just it's opportunity for everything to be like a trade night or, or just getting together, having dinner with your friends, talking cards, being around the cards and all that stuff. Had a great time on Hobby Hotline, as I always do. And this is, again, 10 or 12 minutes that I uh, pick off for a fresh conversation. So hope you enjoyed as much as I did. And uh, here it is. Thanks, everybody. Down markets then versus now. I think we have more collectors now than when I say then. My first thought is that was that 90s downturn that really around the baseball strike. More people uh, in the hobby now. Obviously, content creation didn't have podcast and and YouTube. So uh, that's a, a factor. There's more people talking about it than in the 90s. P- put more attention on it. You could say there's more companies in the 90s when you had Tops, Fleer, Upper Score. I know I'm probably Don Russ. Now we have fewer card producers that are dealing with the down market. Since the beginning of time, it's been, for the most part, a mixed market. There were times when most things were going up and then there were some stagnant times. But there's just this perception that gradually cards are fun and they're going to uh, hold their value over time, maybe having a downtime. So if it's a dip, what I think I've seen for 50 years now is that people, if they really need the money, then they got to sell their whole collection, whether it's an up market or a down market. If they don't really need the money or they need a little bit of money, I, I think most people, if they're a true collector, they don't want to sell their best stuff. So they're going to put back their best stuff because that's untouchable. That's stuff I really care about. And so... In effect, the better stuff can hold its value because it's not being sold in a distress sale. But the mediocre stuff or the mid-range stuff can be very soft, and you can really get deals on that. And I think that's always been there. So if it's off condition or not the top rank Hall of Famers, non-rookie cards, the best of the best just doesn't get put out usually unless people think, hey, I'm going to get a world record price. If I'm going to take a haircut, I don't want to sell my best card. Looking at our grail hit list checklist and thinking, boy, we're licking our chops. These are going to come to market and we're going to get great deals on them. And that's one thing I'm coming to realize is that I I don't, I think it looks like fewer of those are going to come out. And when they do, there's still, there's a bunch of us that still want them and they're still in demand. So it's not as reflective as those recessionary pressures across the lower and mid tier. So that's why it's exciting to get some cards for our checklist and set list, but not necessarily our grails. Uh, Doesn't seem like the opportunities are there. That's why the Fleer Jordan rookie is a deceptive kind of a grail card because there's so many of them in PSA 10, BGS 9.5, and 9s. It's not short printed. Expect to get two or three in every box, and there's still some boxes. But and is it drying up now? It's a steady stream of those cards coming in. I'm talking about the grails that you only see every once in a while. The Jackie that, that John got, kudos to that, but there are more of those coming out than five years ago. You didn't see them very much. 
Now the price, it's really run up and you'll see some things out there. So I'm talking about the next level of scarcity, but every level of scarcity means people are going to hold off. They don't want to sell their best stuff. And that's relative to what they It's a great point, Dr. Jim, when I do shows and when I'm prepping the week before the show, making sure I'm a pricer. So I make sure everything's priced and current. People don't always like to ask. And even going through my show inventory and when I'm checking the price in and where it's at and I'm like, I don't want to sell this, but I buy more. Exactly. Even though that's the, I'm not going to put this out and I'm not trying to be mean, but like for that price, I'll buy some. I'm not a huge wax guy, but I like to open it with discretionary income as a father son thing. I open it with my 10 year old and that's really where I go to for wax. And so right now I don't know what it is. Is it the market going down? Is it uh, more supply? Is it just changes in the media around the hobby right now? But there's more products sitting on the shelves at Target at that $20, $30 blaster. And it's been great to be able to go every week or every other week and grab a box or two, whether I'm picking up a soccer box or a baseball, basketball boxes. They're usually on the shelves for a couple of days as opposed to a couple of minutes, like six months ago. And to have that um, ability to just have some fun with my son, it's worth the 25 bucks for me easily. So that is a benefit potentially of the market changing, or I'm not quite sure, is it just that they're printing like crazy right now? Obviously, they're printing more each year, and that, that's yeah. not even a bad thing. But they just need to keep the supply and demand equilibrium reasonable. Like you said, we don't want the uh, Walmart and Target shelves to be empty, but we don't want them to be super full either. It's business. It's difficult. In fact, it wasn't great a couple of years ago when everything was selling immediately. The companies aren't pleased with that. They have to make decisions about quantities in advance. They can't just all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to do some more boxes because they've already used their assets and already put them in the pack. So I, I think it's challenging. I just hope the card companies take a long-term view of this category. And with Fanatics coming in and Panini being potentially a lame duck, I'm hopeful, and, and Tops was in that situation for some number of months, that you hope they don't change their strategy to have more of a short-term Let's get as much as we can, as quick as we can. Ray Schulte announced that the trade night will once again be done by Card Collector 2, Ryan Johnson, in conjunction with, I think, the Roadshow guys. Panini's going to be involved. But this time, instead of being an off-site, it's going to be in-house on the convention center floor. I actually have some concerns about having a trade night on the show floor with respect to security. And dealers feeling they have to be there maybe just to protect their stuff. A trade night, as I understood its original conception, is you bring in your Zion case or your Pelican case. Hey, here's some great cards I've got for trade. Not, hey, here's my booth. And what do you want to trade for in my booth? It's hard to have security for a thousand booths and people wandering around after midnight. I'm sure they've got it figured out. But like I say, as a dealer, after spending a, a long day on your feet, and then you're going to have to be there until the middle of the night. We'll see how that goes. It's going to add to the excitement. Yeah. Every hotel uh, this year in Atlantic City is going to have their own version of trade night in the lobby. I know where I was in Chicago last year. It, it was hard to navigate through there. Excuse me, coming through. I almost felt bad walking through a show and, and disrupting. Even though I wasn't, I was disrupting, cramping their style. But So you're still going to have those along with the official national on the floor trade night. Financially, money is going to be probably more exchange hand than cards. Although I will say in Dallas, I saw... You know, people had three cards here and they were, hey, we're close. Can I add this and can do the deal? So it is trading going on. That's always nice to see. But 
like everything else, the hobby is evolving and trade night is in a sense changing as well. Obviously, meeting people for the first time, meeting people for not the first time is a, a big thing uh, for me. It's been a high spending month for me, but looking forward to, I've shut off many, any buying now till, till Atlantic City to build up another little hopefully nest egg and buy another card or two off my, I'm doing graded Hall of Famers. That's my PC now. Blinker Trading is asking if people want to stay in New York City instead, but run a daily shuttle out to the National. Interesting concept. Uh, sounds like a lot of fun. I know I could get my wife up to New York City easier than Atlantic City, uh, certain kind of town more, but um, I would miss those those connections. Though. If, if that bus is leaving at 6 p.m., I'm going to miss a dinner with friends. I'm going to miss the late night trading and making myself feel really old being in a room of those trade nights in the hotel lobby, stepping over 15-year-old kids that or trading five, six-figure cards. It's pretty wild. But it is really engaging and interesting, and it's what it's all about. So it's hard not to think about hungering down in Atlantic City for at least a couple of So as I think about it, it's connecting with uh, people I enjoy, just seeing online all year. I think I'll do the same thing, John. I love that idea. I love cards in my collection that have a story to them. Sometimes where they come from is as cool as the card itself when you're a collector. I'm definitely thinking to look for a fun non-sport card for me, something like Prince's Rookie or a few of those cards that are still in my checklist that they don't come cheap, they don't come up often, and sometimes the only place you find them is some of those booths. Yeah, no doubt. If you go to the National with cards that you want to sell, that's better than going to the National with cards that you have to sell. I think you want to put yourself in a position in your collecting where you don't have to sell stuff. You're making a choice that you want to sell some things. Secondly, I think there's a huge opportunity for party buses, <laughs> whether they're coming from New York or Philadelphia or whatever, where it's a trade night on the bus and you handpick your friends and everybody's got a little case and you stay at a hotel that's an hour away, but you're an hour on the bus. You have your own hors d'oeuvres or libations, whatever. But I think if you put together a 20 or 30 person party bus, it'd be like a fraternity party on a bus with everybody loving the hobby and having a good time, Corey. So maybe you could have your cake and eat it too, but I think you'd have to handpick your teammates for that. But I think that'd be cool. You'd fly into I Philadelphia, went. you'd stay in Philadelphia, but then you'd get on the bus and the, and the bus would bring you back and it'd be a sleeper bus if you wanted to sleep. It's just... Well, I got a Dr. Jim's Texas to Atlantic City. You know, <laughs> That's a Nashville. long bus ride. And like I say, it's Atlantic City is the tricky one because of just the Atlantic city. Yeah, and yeah. there is some opportunity for that. Um, oh yeah. My gear is turning. One night, one night in the city. Like, I don't think, I don't think they've done this. I don't know if y'all get pitched for cruises, but there could be a sports yeah. card collector cruise and you'd pack your luggage. Your carry on would be your cards. But if it's the guy, typically the collector and the wife comes along for a nice cruise, you could pay for the cruise with your sales on the ship. Like a free cruise. I just think some enterprising promoters could put something together and be creative around the national, around the mid collective, the summit, uh, or a cruise and just have fun. I love being with hobbyists. That's one of the main reasons to go to the national. In one place, you're going to have some amazing, if they're not already your friends, they have the potential to be close friends because we share this common bond. Mr. Newman, I, I want you to run with this idea, the SS hobby. Get it started. Bring it on. I, I'll be Gilligan. Hey, be. <laughs> or I could be the skipper. Hey, little buddy. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh